When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Our CR team is thrilled to kick off our coverage of the 2023-2024 college tennis season this weekend with the Malibu Showdown. We'll have four teams, the Pepperdine men, Louisville men, Kentucky men, and Michigan men competing throughout the course of a three-day event. First ball to last coverage will, of course, be available on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel, and we are so excited to dive headfirst into another college tennis season. We'll have so much action, not only throughout the course of the dual match season in the spring, we'll have coverage of all the fall events on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel, so be on the lookout for nor- more announcements, excuse me, in the near future, of course, to get to kick things off with top 25 schools like Pepperdine, Michigan, Kentucky. Louisville. Obviously, it's a scouting weekend for me here at Crack Rackets. Get to get eyes on all these players for the first time. See what sorts of developments happened over the course of the summer. See how all these newcomers acclimate to a new environment. The best part, you'll all get to be right alongside me as, again, we enjoy that action on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. Matches will be 1 p.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern time on Friday and Saturday. Those start times move up an hour on Sunday. Again, we'll have coverage first ball to last of all of the action. And to help prepare all of you listeners for the event, we brought on head coach of the Pepperdine men's tennis team, our dear friend Adam Schachterly, to break everything down. He talks about the role of the fall. For those of you who may have forgotten it, in the college tennis world, we talk about some of the upcoming changes to college tennis. We talk about his roster expectations for this Pepperdine team this year. And then, of course, we get into some other fun topics as well. It's always a pleasure to be joined by Shaq. I am certain this is a conversation all of you tennis fans will enjoy. So without further ado, let's get to it. Here's my conversation with the one and only Pepperdine men's tennis head coach, Adam Schachterly. Yes, I recently learned he certainly likes Parsa more than he likes me. It's our dear friend, Pepperdine men's tennis head coach, Adam Schachterly. Shaq, welcome back to the show. How are you doing, my friend? Thank you so much for having me. And we please don't share that with Parsa. He's going to get cocky <laughs> if we start that kind of information with him. <laughs> well, well, how I learned this fact, I'm glad you asked, even though I brought it up. How I learned this fact... I never got the invite for UFC Saturdays, and I don't know what group chat I'm not on. I'd fly in if I had to. You know, when you have kids and you're a college tennis coach, it turns out Saturday at around midnight is about the only time you have available for a social life. So <laughs> that works out well. And I, for someone who doesn't gamble, I've never seen someone who who knows more information. I think his 
encyclopedia type knowledge of tennis is matched by his knowledge of undercard fighters <laughs> and odds in UFC matchups. So it's just a hilarious hangout to, to hear some of that from him. There may be a photo that exists that has never been, nor will it ever be shared publicly, but there may be a photo that exists of you, you mentioned your father, you mentioned your tennis coach, of you just passed out on the couch while one of the fights is going on, just <laughs> just dead asleep, just you could tell you're like finally darkness and quiet while Parsa is just balling out there on the side. And again, I'm there for that image alone, coach. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So all that is to say, I've done my research coming into today's podcast. It's always a pleasure to have you here. Of course, the reason we wanted to have you so far away, I suppose, from the start of the dual match season, but here at the start of the fall is because you guys are putting on a very cool event this weekend. And our Crack Rackets team is so flattered to be able to broadcast that to the world. That event, of course, is the Malibu Showdown, by the way, in on the title. For what it's worth, that Malibu showdown featuring your team, the Kentucky, Louisville, Michigan men's tennis teams as well. It's going to be three days of action, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Let's just talk with the genesis of this event. Was this your idea? What is the you know role of an event like this this early in the fall? Yeah, I think it's so it's, it's now a few years that we've been doing it with Kentucky. And what we love about their program and just starts with the respect level we have for how they compete from number one all the way through the last guy on their roster. And we, we've been, we feel like the effort level to get out of our region, we've gone the last two years, once to University of Kentucky, once to University of Tennessee. And the matches, have, the juice has been worth the squeeze. You know, we, we're in three set battles. We're having to make adjustments. You know, we're getting in, into it over line calls. We're, we're feeling the, the type of intensity that you feel in March through May in the in the dual match season. And I, I just think the experience for our guys, I, I want them to be in the fire early. We find out a lot of where our program is at, where our individual players are at. And, I, you know, the other side of it is you look at someone like Daniel you know, two years ago, he goes into that event as a pretty good college player without much experience. He comes out of that event with three top 20 wins. <laughs> and so, you know, from a ranking perspective, these are programs that we expect to be top 25 and top 10 level programs. And they're going to be chock full of players ranked in singles and doubles. And we're going to have our hands full. So great challenge to start the fall. Mm -hmm. I've asked other coaches in the past, I've asked you this probably on mic, if not off it as well, about the goals for the fall. And obviously the structure of the fall is changing. That's something we can talk about in a second. But given the format of how things are right now, team season will start in January. Do you prefer these sort of events in the fall to help prepare versus the ITA regionals and the ITA All-Americans? I'm just always curious on how you divide ranking goals with team preparation goals in the fall. It's a great question, and it's something we go back and forth on. Tass and I have talked about that, and I think where we've arrived at is we want to have a little bit of a mix. I think the positive it is you asked what I prefer. I can I can tell you clearly what the team prefers. I mean, the guys are incredibly fired up, and and they've been talking about this event. They're excited that it's broadcast nationally with, with you guys leading the way, and 
they're excited that their families can watch around the world on the YouTube broadcast. Uh, they're excited to face these top programs and show the hard work that they've been doing. I think the one negative and and what I always want to allow for, you know, my my second year at North Florida, we had a doubles team go from the qualies of the All-American doubles and make the semis in Tulsa. And they beat three top 10 teams. And they ended up making the NCAA tournament, getting the top 10 in the rankings themselves. And those kinds of breakout performances are really only possible in a more standard tournament format. And I, I love that about Tulsa, how it's, hey, come as you are and let's see how good you, you can perform. And it doesn't matter whether you start in the pre-qualities. I remember when I was in school, Audra Cohen started in the pre's and, and won the whole dang thing. And so, you know, I think that those kind of opportunities are important in the fall so that guys or gals are not just slotted into you're a five, six player, you're a one, two player, you know, but you give players a chance to break out of whatever level they've been in and show their development. But man, these, these hidden duels, they're more fun. <laughs> you know, I can tell you that they're more fun for the fans. I mean, we're, we're going to, we'll talk about this maybe in a, in a little bit, but on, on Friday and Saturday, we'll have great days. But on Sunday, we have a huge family fair day going on here in Malibu and we're going to have a huge turnout and, and it is a lot easier to market and sell one college program going against another college program than it is to sell. Hey, we've got 19 courts and it'll be going all day. And, and I hope you can show up for a specific match, but it might be within this 12 hour time slot. Instead for this Malibu showdown, we're able to advertise that, Hey, on one o'clock on Sunday, you can come watch Pepperdine play Louisville. And so that's, it's really helpful from a marketing standpoint. Mm -hmm. I do want to ask about that. And I always a fan of family fair days and not to badger on this point, but I do think your team in particular is a fascinating test case for, you know, again, how do you approach this fall? Because on the one hand, next year, things do get so individual in the fall and preparing not just players from a ranking perspective, how next year's this year's rankings are going to translate to next year. That's still an open question. You know, that's on one side of the argument. On the other side, you know, you guys are a team that lost Daniel, you lost Tim, uh, you lost Vasa as well. That's your top three. And so you mentioned there not pigeonholing players in spots this early in the season yet, you know, this weekend you get a chance to say, you know what, I'm going to try and roll out a lineup and see how this lineup competes. How are you balancing those two things this fall specifically? Because it is, you know, two different edges of the coin, sides of the coin. That's how you say that. Are you are you volunteering to write my lineup card for Friday? Well, because I'm ready for that. <laughs> I mean, can we make that a rule going into the weekend? I'll set all the matchups and I think we all win. Yeah, what's great about I mean, one of the reasons we've loved this format with these specific coaches is, is they're very development minded. And so we've had the freedom to mix and match and and to change things around, change doubles lineups, see, you know, see how guys respond to um you know, different spots in the lineup. I'll just be vulnerable with our, our specific challenge is we've got a freshman who's very good. And, you know, I would love to start him in the three or four spot and let a kid like Eddie Winter, you know, win some matches, gain some confidence and see where he ends up. But I'll just tell you day to day in practice, 
he's playing so well that it's going to be difficult to to start him down there. And so, yeah, it's a it's something that is evolving even day to day as we're getting closer to the event. And I'm excited, just like you. Um, I'll be on the court, but I'm going to be in more of an observation position than I maybe have in the past because I don't know. You know, we, we, we've got a lot of question marks on our roster this year. Linus was an incredible recruit, was injured for almost two years and got some matches towards the end of last year. But his high level is, is quite high, you know, and, and Maxi Homburg had 20 wins as a freshman, was very successful at four and five. Can he make a jump? You know, that's going to be something that's going to be fun to watch. And then, you know, a kid like George Davis played number one at William and Mary, uh, had a fair amount of success uh, with a more regional schedule. Great coach, uh, Jeff Cater, um, but, you know, maybe not the type of nationally ranked opponents that he will see with our schedule. And so how's he going to react to playing a different spot in the lineup or can he assume the level and, and play high? And I think those are, we, we're not definitive about those answers here either. I think that's something we're really looking forward to seeing and testing out this weekend. And it's helpful to have the format to do so. Yeah, it's why we're so excited to be showing it all. You mentioned Eddie Winter. I'm, I was curious, are we going with Eddie Winter, Teddy Winter? As I was looking at it, I was like, am I going to call him <laughs> Teddy W? Because I think that's where we're at yet uh, so far. You know, people forget Casper Zook was heading to Pepperdine. So we flirted in this range before. We can have that discussion a different time. Um, but, you know, you bring in a guy who is a top 100 junior, a guy who I believe as of right now is top 600 in the ATP rankings. You know the tennis is probably already there from a level perspective. What are the focuses in getting him adjusted to the college game and the college lifestyle as you approach this fall? And what's he been, you know, talk to me about the tennis as well for people who haven't seen him. Yeah, look, he's, uh, I just can't really imagine having more fun coaching a kid on court. And so, you know, we're early in the experience and I try to avoid the superlatives and I don't want to put any pressure on the kid. But what, what I think is most exciting about Ed is that he has some areas of his game which were really weak. I mean, his serve when he came in, you you watch him hit 10 serves, you would not guess that he's a top 600 level ATP player. And, you know, some other aspects of his game as well, where there's just so much room for development. And I think as someone who is obsessed with that process and, you know, we, we've, we've had success here where we've taken some guys from, you know, 11-7, 12-1 type UTRs and they've turned into all Americans. They've turned into guys that are 13 fives. Well, now we get to have a kid walk in the door and I think he's playing 13 five level tennis, whatever his UTR is, that's what he's producing consistently right now. So it's going to be really fun to see, Hey, where, where can we go now? Can we, can we help the kid? I mean, a lot of it is up to him and he's made choices already to put himself on track to really develop. And so yeah, just excited to be a part of his process. I'll tell you from a tennis standpoint, you asked about his game. He's a smaller kid and he makes a lot of balls. And I expected him to play more of a grinding style of tennis. But I think what fans will appreciate and what you're going to see this weekend is 
he's not afraid to pull the trigger and his timing and his ability to change directions and absolutely hit missiles off the ground is is pretty fun to watch and so i don't think you're going to see a typical you know a lot of times in the college game you see guys that are willing to just work and make balls but he he's he's got a confidence that when he has time he can zap it and and it's fun to watch yeah he's the number 5 newcomer in the ITA rankings for a reason the only ranked Pepperdine person in the preseason rankings that irk you at all I gotta ask I think it's just a matter of opportunity you know I think guys like Max and Maxie and and Linus and they we're gonna have guys coming this spring as well they just guy like Pietro Pietro has been 22 in college tennis and just had some issues with health and so yeah we'll we'll see I I'm more concerned about the rankings come May (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but I think these guys they've got to prove it and yeah. and we're okay with the fact that they have to prove it and we'll find out a little bit this weekend. And then, yeah, it's a lot of fun just working with these boys right now, but yeah, there's work to be done to, to show that they can assume uh, roles that have been filled with guys that have taken off, you know, those guys. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I'm curious because obviously you have, I was going to say Teddy winter. I can't help myself now. It's in my head. So it's stuck, but you have, a freshman on one hand, you bring in the Davises, not related, but both transfers on the other. Do you? Co- is it different how you approach those two this fall? Like, what what would be the focus with the Davises as you try to get them acclimated to all things Pepperdine? It's a great question, and that's something I've wrestled with. I think when you have less time with a player, Andrew Rogers stands out as a guy that I feel like we made quite a bit of progress with, and we were able to build on some things that Tennessee had done we really focused almost exclusively on his identity and how he structured points and choices that he made in his point structure, because with, with one year or or a semester or, you know, a a small amount of time left, it's hard to make big technical changes or stroke production changes. And so, yeah, I think with Ed, there's, there's more freedom to, help him break down his serve motion and build it back up. And if it's not perfect by November or December, we're okay with that because the big picture is he's a guy that can play slam level tennis at some point, whether that's two years from now or five years from now or whenever it is. But our role is, is not to just get him to be the best college player he can be, but the best pro that he can be. And that requires some risk. Whereas with some of these other guys with less time, I think our our focus is better served helping them with their identity. Mm-hmm. No, and you know, again, I, I've said it about Oklahoma. I'll say it about this weekend. These are scouting weekends for me. I got to see what everyone looks like. I'm excited to see the balls rolled out. And I imagine you just have an eight sided die, and you're just going to roll it, and it's going to be like, all right, you're playing one. Next side of the die is you're playing two this week, and we're going to see some mixing and matching. Talk to me about plans for the weekend. You mentioned family fair as well. What can we look forward to and what can Pepperdine tennis fans who want to come out this weekend expect? So we're going to have the first two days. We'll have dual matches at 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. We'll go right back to back. And looks like the weather is going to be phenomenal. Uh, That's that's almost like it doesn't even need to be said. Yeah, I'm going to cut that (laughs) just because people know. (laughs) Uh, we, we need to advertise beforehand that lineups produced by cracked rascals. <laughs> 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 
And then, yeah, I think what what to expect is going to be some really hotly contested doubles points and really competitive matches. We're going to play everything out, you know, full third sets. We're going to try to get extra matches for, for guys that are looking for those matchups on the side. Um, and then it's all building up to the final day. We've got two t- teams in, in Michigan and Kentucky that are going to catch an earlier flight. So they're going to play at 9 a.m. And, and then catch a flight back home. And, and Louisville's been kind enough to stay for the later match. And we're going to have a one o'clock match with food and a fair. I was pushing for a bouncy house and <laughs> the insurance department at Pepperdine overruled me there. <laughs> if you've ever seen the seven to 12 year old carnage in a bouncy house, they just not <laughs> any part of that. <laughs> But we're gonna have prizes and and we'll have face painting and we're gonna have a pickleball station and I, I we've gotten great response. I think we're gonna have several hundred fans and an awesome environment for that match. So it's something that Per and I have have been building towards. You know, I think we've had consistently competitive nationally elite teams and there's a really strong tennis community here in Malibu and so. We're trying to take advantage of that and make this a really fun spot to come out and, and watch some tennis. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm um, to that point. You look back at 2022 and last few questions for you. I think it was 19 and nine overall was the final record. You guys win the conference tournament title. You guys knocked out by Texas in the second round, but of course you have a team make a run all the way to the semifinals of the NCAs in doubles. How's the atmosphere around this Waves tennis program? How are we feeling headed into a new season? I, we're so hungry, man. I mean, like, it's funny that you say that, uh, we, we've had some good things happen. We finished top 30, four years in a row. We've won the conference a couple times, you know, the tournament was a big one for us and we have so much respect for San Diego and their coaching staff that it's really meaningful to win that battle. Um, but we've left some things on the table and we're hungry to be a top 10 program. That's making sweet 16s, make making national indoors. And so for us, I think this is a new start with a fresh roster building towards that next level. And and I think all the guys are all in towards that. They're working their tails off. But yeah, for us, <laughs> you read off the, the accomplishments for last year. I think a lot of programs would be really satisfied with that for like a best in five year, best in 10 year type of type of run for us. I think we, we would like to, past that and and see if we can reach for the the higher elite levels in our sport. Mm-hmm. You you brought up national indoors. I think if I'm looking at this correctly, you guys skipped the, your spot in the kickoff draft, right? You're not playing kickoff weekend. What led to that choice? We just had a unique opportunity. That's not something that we will philosophically do consistently in the future, but we felt like Michigan State's going to be much better than they've been in the past. Um, and Georgia Tech, I think, has had a really solid top half of the roster the last couple of years, and they've added some significant depth. And so having a chance to get them outside, out here in Malibu, UC Santa Barbara partnered with us to bring them out here. And I just felt like with a younger, more inexperienced team, having two home matches to start the year on our courts versus going somewhere on the road was the right decision for this group. Um, but I see it as a one year kind of gap to getting right back into qualifying for indoors. That's a pretty spicy four 
team group, though. That, like, that's a fun event. I like that. I like that Michigan State. I think coming you guys need to come back. I mean, yeah. I, I, it's a great opportunity for you to come right back. I mean, it works perfectly for you guys because it's going to end up being a Sunday Monday event. Okay. Pair and the women's team are hosting Friday Saturday, so they'll have four teams here. And I think you guys can finish up some coverage of the qualification path to Natty Indoors, and then you come out here for a little dessert. Yeah, winner gets the, an automatic bid into the UTR Invitational. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I say that with love. But no, the Pepperdine Insurance Department came back and they said that is also too risky. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we'll put it on the table. You know I'm in. And yeah, I mean, look, like, you guys know what the goals are ahead. You know the difference between being 18 in the rankings and 16 in the rankings. Are those sorts of goals open thing like openly discussed this early in the season, or is it still more focusing on the individuals and just getting everything right? I think th- those kind of goals are acknowledged, but not really talked about. I mean, we're we're so hyper focused. We're talking about Linus's first ball off his serve. You know, yeah. Talking about we're talking about Ed developing his targets and doing more damage with his delivery. I mean, the it we're so far away from those kinds of consequences come the spring. And I I think you'll see that even when we compete this weekend. And it's one, one of the reasons these hidden duels are so much fun is the tension and the stress uh, of these is, is reduced because we're so focused on development and the losses in these events can be really helpful to learn. And, you know, when, when you're in spring and you, like you said, we're trying to take advantage of every opportunity that we have to crack into the top 10 and to host. Uh, there's, there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of pressure on those matches. And I think it, it creates a different feeling. So these, these are a lot of fun. You'll see the coaches more relaxed. There's a lot more joking around and, and the vibes are, the vibes are going to be, the vibes are going to be real good in Malibu this weekend. I'll tell you that. They always are. Well, then my last two questions for you, it's a stat that I, comes up every time I have a conversation about college tennis with anyone else in the tennis world right now on the men's side 15 players in the top 100 of the singles rankings the latest additions Rinki Hichikata Borna Goyo both making second week U.S. Open the other big number of course 36 of the top 100 doubles players have college tennis ties I think a, a men's doubles champion at least one of them have had college tennis ties in the last five majors we've seen one Obviously, Ben brought some serious spotlight this past year, quarterfinals Australia, semis U.S. It may not be your team specifically in the case of Ben Shelton, but can you use that example on the recruiting trail? Are those numbers you would now turn to? Are we at that place where you can, you know, dare I say you can make a data analytics driven argument? Oh, I think absolutely. And I think you would be really foolish not to <laughs> if you're recruiting players that aspire to play pro tennis. I think the, the simple question to ask right now is what would a player 18 to 22 find more available or more challenging? You know, is it, is it easier to crack the top 20 in the college rankings or the top 250 ATP? Because right now, if you crack the top 20 in the college rankings, you have access to Chally level tennis and you can use those wild cards to test yourself and see if you're ready. And I think what families and and prospective student athletes, high level juniors are finding out is they're starting to sense that success in the futures 
is not relevant to success as a professional tennis player. You know, success at the challenger level is really what matters. And I think the ATP has done a wonderful job partnering with the ITA. The ITA has done a wonderful job of making that happen. And that partnership went to me even farther than any individual accomplishments from college players because it showed that the ATP is as an institution, you know, as an organization putting their stamp of approval and saying, yes, this is a valid pathway. This is not just a Kevin Anderson. This is not just a John Isner. This goes all the way down. And I think guys like Vukic, you know, are are so helpful in that he's top 50 now, you know, and, and he's done it the hard way. He's really earned it. He's worked at it. He's been in the trenches. He's worked his way all the way up. And I, I think, you know, that that encourages guys like Eddie Winter to not just come for one year, but to stay stay in this pathway and in this process and earn their way through college tennis into challengers and beyond. And I I'm so appreciative of, of the ATP and also of the ITA for their efforts to make that happen, because we as coaches want to work with those types of players. I, I, I think every college coach would acknowledge that the last couple of years in college tennis, the level continues to go higher and higher and higher. And while it's more competitive and it's tougher to be in the top 10 as a program, it's so much more fun. It's so much more enjoyable to be around players that can produce this level of tennis and to be on court for these kinds of matches. You know, it, it's just having a guy like Guy then out in our program and, you know, we, we had him for one season, but he's won eight futures and the guy was playing two for us. <laughs> that's, that's fun to just watching that kid crack forehands and hit inside in winners on big points. That's fun to do. <laughs> I enjoy just being a part of that process. And I think that's something that college tennis is only continue. The stock is up right now. And so as someone who cares about it, I know you deeply care about college tennis. <laughs> I don't just care about Pepperdine tennis. I love college tennis and it's just so fun being a part of it right now as the stock is up and as people are starting to buzz about it. When I was at the U S open federation coaches were just, that was on everyone's lips. You know, it was a buzz of man, like how good is college tennis right now? How valid is it right now? Man, my player, my junior player when they were 16 wouldn't have considered it now they're 17 and they can't stop talking about it and i think that's that's a really enjoyable aspect uh in in being a part of college tennis right now and i'm i'm thrilled that that's that's the direction we're headed yeah i my favorite example is to turn to a guy like Yana Kaufman 30 31 years old cracks the top 50 this year it's a stupid stat but he made, I think it was like his seventh quarterfinal of his career this season. It was his first time ever. He only had to win one match to get there at the tour level. And it's like 31 <laughs> years old. That's how long it took him to be like, oh, it's an easy pathway to the quarterfinal. And, you know, again, for some guys, it takes a little longer. But, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the level speaks for itself. Again, 15 top 100 players right now in the singles rankings, 36 in doubles, you're making a living. You're doing it. Well, for I think the, the argument that I would make too, and I feel really strongly about this is there's a lot more on the way. Mm-hmm. You know, I think right now the, the strength in college tennis, we're producing, there's 15 guys in the top 100 right now. I, I think there's another 10 to 15 that are coming. You know, uh, it's not going to be too long before someone like Ethan Quinn is, is breaking into the top hundred. 
and and that's just going to continue. So exciting times. Monday from Tennessee. You know, we can go down the line. There's a lot of guys that I see headed that direction. I think Walt is is going to beat him there. But there, there's there's a lot of college tennis players that are not just top hundred right now, but knocking on the door. And it's a fun time to be a part of, uh, of college tennis. So then in that spirit, and he's not on a roster, so I think you're not going to get in trouble in answering this question. Does Mickelson count for college relations? Yes or no? Do we include him? Because he was committed, but he never even spent a fall there. Hey, I mean, Jamie did a good job working on the <laughs> recruiting process. Let's let's toss him one there. Yeah, I mean, he didn't get to coach him. But yeah, I think it, to me, instead of answering that question, I'm just going to pivot for a second. The this is fact, why you're good at your job. Please do. The fact that it was such a hard decision for him, mm-hmm. whether or not to turn pro, I think shows how powerful college tennis is right now. I mean, I think 10 years ago, the second he hit the top 300, he would have been gone. But he just kept stacking success after success. He was producing like a top 100 level player. He was all the way up to 160, 170 ATP. And you could tell he was still wrestling with that choice. And I think to me that that was great for our sport. I mean, that that's that's so good for our sport to have the respect level and the validation from a player of, of that level that, hey, I, I could be 150 and I still think this would be a really big loss for me to not have that experience. I, I love that it was that difficult for him to make that choice. That was an exceptional answer, and that's where we're going to end this interview because that's just – that's perfect. That's how we should go out. Now, again, the good news is we're going to get to talk to Shaq this weekend. Friday through Sunday, the Malibu Showdown matches 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern time. You also have the 2 p.m. – nope, good math, Alex – 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern time matches, I believe, on Friday and Saturday. Did I screw up by an hour? It might be 2 and 5. So we're going to go. Here we go. We'll give it to you. Leave it all in. 10 and 2 Pacific time Friday, Saturday. And then we're going up to 9 and 1 Pacific time on Sunday. I like it because we're playing everything out. We're playing everything out. We're not shortening anything. We're getting tough here. We're looking forward to some three, three and a half hour battles. Are we going to have just like the standard format, six singles, three doubles? or Are we going to play all the way down the bench? We're going six singles, three doubles, and then we're going to have some extra matches there that will be going on. But I think the main focus will be on the six singles and three doubles. Okay. In that spirit, last request to tournament director Adam Schachterly. Should, with the additional singles matches, scoreboards tied at the end of this hidden duel? One point, head coach versus head coach. Cedric would do it. You would do it. I bet Sean would do it. Everyone would do it. I like a half-court double scenario there. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Out there and we get Cedric with his French Open history. I'm, I'm not liking my chances. If I can tap in Tass with the large forehand from his nationally ranked Mississippi State days, then I then I like my chances. But, man, you're leaving me out to die. I'm a, I'm a servant volley half-court specialist. Come on now. You know that. <laughs> I've seen the Northwestern tape. That's fair. All right. We'll put it on the drawing board for now, but it is always a pleasure to be joined by you, Shaq. Thank you for taking the time to chat with us and sincerely appreciate you having our Crack Rackets team here to cover the action. We look forward to showing it all this weekend. Appreciate all you do for college tennis. Thanks, bud.
Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with Pepperdine men's tennis head coach Adam Schachterly. A thank you, as always, to Shaq for taking the time to chat with us. We're so excited to be able to broadcast this Malibu showdown again. Pepperdine, Louisville, Kentucky, Michigan, all in action. Covered Friday, Saturday, Sunday, starting 1 p.m. Eastern time on Friday and Saturday, noon Eastern time on Sunday. Be sure to join us on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. Go subscribe right now to ensure you don't miss out on any of the action. Of course, a shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, as well for the fuck of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. With all that said, we hope to see you all this weekend. In the meantime, for the fantastic Pepperdine men's tennis head coach, Adam Schachterly, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Crack Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.